This Week at Hope Point. Notice he doesn't just point them to the character of God, his merciful love for you. He also points to the act. What, what has God done to show that love? He rescued you from slavery. He pulled you out of Egypt, brought you out of your bondage. So don't forget where God has brought you from. Church, God also has rescued us from our slavery. He's rescued us from the chains of our addictions, rescued us from our own wicked and sinful hearts, called us out of the Egypt of our sin. And I believe the same is true for us. We must not forget that. We're so glad to have you join us for today's message. We pray that it would challenge and encourage you to applaud God, follow Christ, and live on mission. Let's listen now as Caleb speaks to us from God's Holy Word. Thank you so much for being here today. It's an honor to have the chance to stand in today for Pastor Richard. My name is Caleb Crittenden, and I'm just thrilled to be here today. I want to give you a little bit of my backstory with a, a quick story to kind of set this up. Um, so I was a pastor's son growing up uh, in small town America, a small town Baptist church in South Carolina. And on Sunday nights, while the adults were having their real church time, uh, us kids would meet in the choir room, about 10 of, a, of us or so, with, with our teacher. And we did this little program called the, ready for this, the Bible Skills, Drills, and Thrills. That's what we did on Sunday nights. Yeah, you can, you can look it up just to prove that this is a real thing. You can still buy the curriculum on Lifeway. Skills, drills, and thrills. Well, what we would do is we would stand in a line. Uh, and you had to stand in a line here to, to be all fair. We'd hold our Bible out, our paper copy of the Bible, you know, hold it in your right hand, and to put our left hand on top like this, and we would wait for the teacher to shout out some reference, some some verse in the Bible, or maybe it was a, a famous passage that we were supposed to remember, the story of David and Bathsheba, or the Hall of Faith, or whatever it may be. And when she would say it, not before, but when she would say it, we would race to try and find it. And you can just picture us as like eight and nine-year-olds just standing in this line, holding our hand here, just waiting for her to speak so that we can start looking. And she's watching with like such a close eye for just one person to put their, finger, their thumb over the, the edge there. You know, kind of an evil eye you got if you put your thumb over the edge of the cover, you rushed it a little bit. I think there's something uh, in, in the New Testament about like if your left thumb causes you to sin, cut it off because it's better to enter heaven with nine fingers than to go to hell a cheater. At least that's what they taught us in the skills, drills, and thrills. Um, but we, we do this on a weekly basis because our, our teachers and our parents really believed they wanted us to know scripture and to be able to find it and to remember it and to hold on to it. So that's why I haven't put the reference up yet, by the way, because if you, if you uh, brought your copy of God's word, I'm going to let you get a little practice of this. Go ahead and take it out with you if you've got it. If you're under the age of 30 uh, and you brought your device or you're just looking on the screen, you just get to watch this part. Sorry. But everybody who has a, a, a copy of the Bible, y'all go ahead and take it out and, and put your left hand on top. Don't let that thumb slide over. And in just a second, I'm going to give you your passage, and, and we'll see who's, who can be the fastest to go and find it. Today, we're going to be looking uh, in the book of, uh-oh. Well, somebody must be cheating. Somebody's got their thumb over the cover. God knows he's not letting us move forward. Everybody ready? Let's go with, well. Oh, is it working? They're Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 9. There we go. This is our text today, and uh, as you're turning there, uh, just tell you quickly about this. Moses is, is writing to the people of Israel 
uh, at the end of his life in a, a time of great transition. Um, Moses has, has led the people out of Egypt. He's led them through the wilderness. And now his time is up. Um, and so we find this, this book here at the very end of his writings uh, where he's, he's, sending, he's sending them off. He's on his way out the door. Uh, he's speaking to a new generation, the, the people he's speaking to. This is the new generation of Israel. They've, those who, who came out of Egypt have all died except for Caleb and, and Joshua and Moses who's speaking. But everybody else is a new generation. Uh, he's preparing them for a new leader. Joshua's getting ready to, to come in and lead them. And uh, that's going to be a big transition. But he's also preparing them for a new land. They've been wandering for 40 years now. And here they are ready to enter the promised land. Anybody find it yet? Y'all still looking? It's taking a long time here. Nobody's, nobody's stepped forward yet. No, I'm just kidding. We're, we're good. Um, and, and so it's time of great transition. And Moses, his greatest fear on his way out is this trait he's begun to see clear in the people of Israel. They have this disease, if you saw it in the title, known as uh, spiritual amnesia. They are just this really forgetful people. Uh, they seem to forget everything that God has done for them, everything that he's commanded of them uh, over and over and over again. I, I would say like it's probably the thing they are the best at. Like if they, if they want a senior, senior superlative in the yearbook, it would be most likely to forget. That's, that's just who they are. They, they cannot seem to remember. And so Moses, on his way out, he gives them this, this, these three speeches throughout the book of Deuteronomy. That's what the whole book is, are these three speeches, calling them to remember, calling them to live a life that, that shows an active memory of what God has done and who he is. And it's such a key part of this book, he uses the word remember 15 times throughout the book. And then another word, keep, as in like, don't lose, don't forget, don't let this out of your sight, another 33 times throughout the book. Moses is obsessed with getting the point across to Israel that they must not forget. And he notices this is just a real weakness for them. Uh, and I think, honestly, if we're real with ourselves, probably the same is true for us. We are a forgetful people. It's hard for us to remember Many times the things that God has done. And, and I don't mean like in an intellectual sense, you know, the Bible drill skills and thrills. I can still pull out some of those references, remember some of those things. And no doubt for you, like these truths about God and who he is and what he's done and all the stories from Sunday school, like they're in there, right? In our minds. But I think the real question is if they are in our muscles. Are we living as though we remember who God is and what he's done. In the world of sports, I've always been fascinated by this thing of muscle memory. You know, how an, how an athlete, after repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating a certain task, can just do it without even thinking about it. I think about those beautiful swings we'll be watching this afternoon. That like those guys, there's not a thought in their mind about how far their arms should go, where, where they're going to make contact with the ball. It's all automatic because of the repetition. Their memories have moved into actions, right? It's gone a step deeper than just recall, than just pulling a fact out of our, our mind. It's affecting the way they live. And I believe this is the type of memory that Moses is calling Israel to. This is the type of memory that will help us prevent some, some of that spiritual amnesia that we seem to struggle with so much because I think we are far more like the Israelites than we think. And so uh, we're going to begin just with letting this verse, the verse 9 of chapter 4, uh, where we finish, kind of 
setting the tone for us. Moses says, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. This, this idea of taking care, not to forget. Uh, notice forgetting is something we do up here in our, in our mind, but notice the outcome of that forgetfulness in our mind. These things that we've forgotten also depart from our heart. As we forget up here, it shows up in here, which means it plays out in what we do and how we live. And so for that reason, Moses says, we got to take care. We've got to keep a diligent eye on ourselves to make sure we're not forgetting. This is an active thing that we need to be about because the reality for all of us is that if we're not actively choosing to remember, then we will be passively choosing to forget. That's why I love the, the wording here where he says, keep your soul diligently. Like in my mind, I just, I picture a campfire and I, I picture us just sitting around the fire, enjoying the night as it gets cooler and darker. And as you sit there, what happens? As you're watching and trying to stay warm over time, the fire begins to fade a little bit. It gets weaker. The, those big hefty logs that you threw in start to become smaller and smaller and smaller. And so you have a duty as, as the one who wants to be warmed by the fire. What do you do? You, you have to keep it diligently, right? You got to make sure there's, you've gone and taken more wood and you're continuing to put more logs into the fire and that you're stoking things and moving things around so that the flame does not go out. And this is an active thing that Moses is calling the people of Israel to. And I think for us, the same is true. So what I want to do, and I'm just going to make it clear for you to see as an outline, I want to give you three things that Moses tells Israel they need to remember about God. Three things they're called to remember. And I'm going to sandwich those three things into two truths about us, two things about us that make it so essential for us to remember. Okay, I've already told you the first one, and that is that we have this serious case of spiritual amnesia. This is us. We are forgetful people like Israel. We take two steps forward and a few steps back constantly out of forgetfulness. So that's the first one. You have to wait till the end to hear the other. But let's look at these three things that we're called to remember. First off, um, we, we see in, in verse, uh, let's see here, I lost my slides. Verse one, and now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you and do them that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Notice those words, statutes and the rules. This is the first thing we want to hold on to. We want to remember, is, and that is the, the law of God. These statutes and these rules, those are, those are like legal terms there. Because remember, God has established a covenant with Israel. He has made them his people. And a covenant has requirements. It has stipulations. It has rules and statutes. Next verse he'll use is commandments. Uh, you shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. God wants his people to remember the way of life he's given for them, the demands he has for how to live and how not to live. And those are things that are, we're prone to forget. We're, it's easy for us to forget those things. Um, I, I, it's interesting, though, that it's not just a remembering of those things. Notice the action that comes with it. Moses said to hear it and then also to do it, to observe it, to obey it. There is an action that comes with us hearing the commandments of God, not just a mere uh, hearing. And this is the same of the teachings of Jesus. 
We, I mean, think of how many times throughout his teachings do we hear him talking about hearing and obeying. Think when he gives his sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 5, and he says to the people, uh, he gives them the story of the wise and the foolish builder. He said, the wise man is the one who hears my word and obeys it. The foolish man who builds on the sand only hears it and doesn't obey. The requirement for God's people is that they, that they remember the words, the laws, the, co- the covenant, the, the rules and statutes of God, and that they obey, that they are obedient to it. This is, this is the mark of our, of our love for him, that we're obedient, that we hold on to it. He says in verses five and six, see, I've taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them, not just hear them, but do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them. There it is again. We don't want to just hold on to them. We have to do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding. There is a benefit for us. We gain wisdom and understanding. And then go back to verses 1 and 2. It says you gain life. You will live as we remember and obey the commandments of God. This is, this is a serious thing for us to hold on to. He, he'll go on to say, make them known to your children and your children's children. Teach your kids these commands so that the lineage continues, so that we, we don't fall away, so that with each new generation, we don't forget. Keep repeating it over and over and over again so we do not lose what we have found to be true about, about God, this law that he requires of us. It's interesting. Moses is kind of modeling this for them right, right here. I mean, he's sort of their spiritual father, and here he is teaching them the commands and the laws of God. He's saying, do what I'm doing. As I'm teaching you my spiritual children, now you go and teach your children. And it's, it's funny, in, in doing that, as you teach it to your kids and their kids and their kids and their kids and on down, that's not just for them. It's for you as well. You, you have to really understand something to be able to teach it to someone else. So when I was, used to be a teacher, that's one thing that if I really wanted to see if my students got it, I would go and sit down in their desk and say, y'all get up in the front and teach me. Did you learn it? You can't teach someone something you don't know. You can't give someone something you don't have. And so we teach it to our children and to our children so that they know it, but also so that we know it and are living it. We don't want to become forgetful. And all of that should lead us to a deeper knowing of, of the teacher. As we learn his ways, we're learning about him and learning to love him and obey him. I love this quote from Gary Goldbrunson. One of the reasons people find it hard to be obedient to the commands of Christ is that they are uncomfortable taking orders from a stranger. A little bite to that. As we learn his ways and begin to follow his ways, we, we love him. We learn to love him because we see the good he has for us. And so may he not be a stranger to, to us. May we, may we long to follow what he teaches. Our, our, the true test for us of our spiritual memory, whether or not we really do have spiritual amnesia, will be our obedience to his commands. There, there is no love for him without obedience. It's interesting. Uh, in chapter 17, Moses addresses this idea that um, Israel, after he's gone, is going to want to have their own king. They're going to set up a king because they want to be like the rest of the world and they want to be ruled. It's interesting, isn't it, that like people don't really want freedom. They want to be ruled. They want to be like the rest of the world. So they, they ask for a king. And here's what Moses says about the day when, when they will have a king. This is what Moses requires of that man who will be king. Verses 18 and 19, he says, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law. 
He wants to be king. We're not using the photocopier for him to have the law for the people. He's going to handwrite it himself. Every single line of that law. You write it and think on it and meditate on every word. Moses says, that's what I want the man who leads our nation to have to do before he, he comes into the kingdom. He shall read it in all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes. That's the only way Moses believes he'll be equipped to be able to lead the people well. And it's interesting, this, this phrase here, copy of this law, it's actually like where we get the name of the book, Deuteronomy, because the word copy there comes from the word deuteros, also second, as in like you make a, a second version of something, a copy of it. And then nomos, where we get the word law, as you put those together, that Deuteronomy is that, a, a copy of the law. And Moses says, if you want to lead, you need to have a copy of the law ingrained in your heart. Lead out of that. This idea of copying the law is what Moses will do throughout the book of Deuteronomy. We're in chapter 4, the very next chapter. He's going to go into retelling them, giving them a copy of the Ten Commandments. He's going to tell them again the very things that God has done for them to remind them of the this, this Ten Commandments that they are to follow. Uh, and and he's, he gives them that, that copy. The sad thing about it is uh, they hear it. And they're really moved to follow it. They want to. And I think like we, we get that. Like we recognize that this is the way to go. We want to follow it. We hear God's way. We say, I want this. This is right. This is good. And then we get forgetful. And notice what God says. As soon as the people respond to Moses giving those Ten Commandments, that copy of the law, they respond like, we're all in. We're good. We, we follow you to the ends of the earth, God. He says, oh, they had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments, that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. God knows even in hearing their devotion for him, as genuine as it was, God knows they will forget. God knows they will wander. You just hear the sadness of God there. Wish they, I wish they could just feel like this forever. And don't, don't you get that? Like You know that feeling of walking out of those doors and feeling so encouraged in your faith. So motivated to go into the world and make a difference. And then how quickly do we, do we forget? Do we just get right back into it and forget? And so then in chapter 6, Moses will go again and he'll sum up the law for them, what he's just given. And he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Remember this about him. He's one God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. He sums it all up into that statement for them. He's like, I know you might not remember all 10, but remember this. Hold on to this. This is the essence of the law. That there is one God, he is holy, and you are to love him and serve him with all, everything. And this is what uh, is famously known as the Jewish creed, the Shema Yisrael, that, that is still to this day recited daily by, by faithful Jews who want to follow this God. Sadly, in their reciting, they've missed some of the key things of who this God is and what he's done for us. But Moses knows the tendency to forget. And so he tries to simplify the, the law as much as possible. Um, this, is, this is why we, we come to church, so that we don't forget these things. This is why we, we listen to worship as we, as we come here today. We join in that to remind ourselves and to remind each other. This is why we hear the same vision for this church every single week. You probably all can state those three things that this church is all about, right? I'm not even saying them out loud because you know what I'm talking about. 
We do it because we will forget otherwise. And because we walk out of those doors into a world that tells us the opposite message. And that message sounds a little better. That message says applaud sin. It says to follow self. It says to live in comfort. And so we have to keep reminding ourselves. We have to keep reminding ourselves or we too will forget. This is, this is critical for us. Love to God and obedience to God. This is F.F. Bruce. Are so completely involved in each other that any one of them implies the other too. We must, must be a people known by our love for God. And that love for him is shown by our obedience to his commands. So Moses says, do not forget those commands. Remember them and do them. Well, the second thing that Moses tells us to remember, we want to remember not only his laws, but we also want to remember what he's done. Remember his deeds uh, and what those deeds say to us about his character. We, we get kind of two attributes of his character here in chapter four. Uh, in verse 24, he's, he's described as being a God of a consuming fire, a jealous God. So that's one end of the, the spectrum. And then in verse 31, just a few verses later, he's described as a merciful God. And this is the beauty of our God, that he is so intricately the balance of both of those really clashing ideas, this raging fire and this God of intense mercy and love. And we see both of those in this chapter. Uh, he reminds them in verses three and four, your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. Moses is like recalling some recent history uh, back in Numbers chapter 25. So not long ago, I mean, very, very recently, uh, the, the men of Israel sort of went astray. Uh, they, they were enticed by the women of Moab, by these Moabite women. And so they, they drifted and they mingled with these women. They married these women. And what happened there is they didn't just take the women, they took the values and the gods of those women. They forgot their God. They forgot his commands. And God, this consuming fire, this jealous God who refuses to be competed with, refuses to, to just say, hey, you can share me with some other, some other God. He said, he was not having this. And many were killed. Numbers 25 tells us that 24,000 people, at least, were killed that was God's reaction to the sin of, of these men and, and, and the women of Moab. 24,000 were killed. Moses says, do not forget what happens when you walk away from God. Do not forget the mighty acts of God. You see what happened to, to at this example with Baal Peor. He's speaking to people who knew the people who were killed. Like This wasn't like something 100 years ago or 200 years ago. We're, you're talking to the family members of those lost, one, lost men and women. You're talking to the next door neighbors of those who were killed by God's judgment. He said, don't forget. But it's not all wrath and, and judgment. We also, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy here, we see this idea of God's intense mercy and love. Uh, he says in, in later on in chapter four, because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power. We hear this idea of love that God has for his people, the people that he has chosen for himself. Out of all the nations, he's chosen you because he loves you. And he like goes above and beyond. I'll just make it clear. Moses really, really wants the people to understand that they are not the reason God chose them. Moses is kind of bitter 
towards Israel sometimes. He, he makes it plain to him. In chapter 9, he says, Know therefore, the Lord your God has not given you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you're a stubborn people. It's not because of you. You have not earned this right to be chosen by God. You are as stubborn as it gets. You can kind of hear Moses' like, frustration with the people. These are the people that kept him from getting to go into the promised land, right? They angered him that one time, right? And, and he struck the rock, and now he doesn't get to go in. He says, y'all are stubborn. He's going to take whatever chance he can to get a little jab in there at, at the Israelites. He'll go on in, uh, also in chapter 9 to say, you have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. And God knew you long before that. And yet he chose you. This is, the, this is the grace and mercy of God. The love that he has for this people that I see you, I know you, and yet I still choose you to be my people. Moses says, don't forget that. Don't forget that God has chosen you. He said, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all these people. You weren't great in number, you weren't mighty. That's not why he chose you. Why did he then? Well, Verse eight, because it is the Lord's love, the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, because he loves you. Notice he doesn't just point them to the character of God, his merciful love for you. He also points to the act. What, what has God done to show that love? He rescued you from slavery. He pulled you out of Egypt, brought you out of your bondage. He said, don't forget where God has brought you from. Church, God also has rescued us from our slavery. He's rescued us from the chains of our addictions, rescued us from our own wicked and sinful hearts, called us out of the Egypt of our sin. And I believe the same is true for us. We must not forget that. We must remember where we've come from. I love the way Charles Spurgeon puts this. I have to have a Spurgeon quote for my young pros. Remember that you were a bondman, a slave. That was you, just like Israel, that was you. The smell of the brick kiln is upon you now, my brother, my sister. You have not yet cleansed all the clay from your hands with which you did work in mortar and in brick. Then do not become selfish, unloving, unkind, but in all things, love your neighbor as yourself and so prove that you love the Lord your God with all your heart. We need to remember what God has done in our life in rescuing us, in calling us out of slavery, lest we forget. This is where I think about this, this thing we do in, in ministry and in, and in engaging people and using evangelism. We use this little thing called the testimony. You guys know the testimony. Your little story of, how, of your encounter with Jesus what your life was like before you met Jesus, how you met Jesus, how your life looks different now because of the impact that Jesus has had in your life and transforming your heart. And we think of that as just this powerful way to reach lost people with the good news of God changing hearts. And it is, and it should be. But listen, church, your testimony is not just for others. Your story is for you. Tell it to yourself. Remind yourself of the goodness of God in your life. Remind yourself of the chains and the weight, the bondage that you used to live in. When you, when you feel a, a leaning to return, that instinct to forget, remind yourself. Every time you want to share it with somebody else, go for it, but let that mean that there were three or four times that you were busy sharing it with your mirror, with yourself. 
lest we forget what God has done in our, in our hearts and in our lives. And again, just like with the first part, Moses models this for the people. Here he is retelling for the people what God has done. I mean, it, it sounds so eloquent. I wonder how much time he has spent rehearsing that story. How many times he has told it to himself to remind himself of the great rescue of God over his people. So we got, we want to learn God's, we want to remember God's commandments. We want to remember God's deeds on our behalf. And, and then thirdly, we also want to remember God's purpose for the world beyond just us. So, so like there's got to be something bigger than just us. What is God's purpose for the world? Well, going back to verse six, we already saw the beginning where we see the outcome of our obedience is, is that we gain wisdom and understanding. But listen to who notices that wisdom and understanding. He says, in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Listen to those who are watching the nation of Israel. Now, you see this one word here. It's the word this. And that word comes from the Hebrew rock, which means only. So this idea of like exclusive, which explains that, that the notion that we have of like God's chosen people being one set group of people. He called the people of Abraham, the descendants of Abraham. And there is a degree to which there is some, an exclusive club almost. And I'll be honest, there are times where I, as I've read through the Old Testament and, and you know, you hear about all these other neighboring nations, all, you know, you hear about these Amorites and Hittites and Mosquito Bites and Jebusites and all, all these other people. And you like, wonder, like, God, what about, what about them? I think those are these peoples that are watching and listening. And what is their response? What should be their response to seeing the goodness of God put on display by the people of God? Well, Awe and wonder. Look at this great nation. Look at how wise they are. Look at their level of understanding. I want that. I want what they've got. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it? People should look at the, the closeness, the intimacy that God has with his people and say, I want that. All oh, my God seems so far away. Where, whenever we call upon him, he's there. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Nobody's got it like us. And when they see us, they should see that and they should want that. That's what Moses says. Don't forget that. People are watching. The world is watching. And the way we live will reflect to them who our God is. I love the way John MacArthur puts it. Israel, by nature, from the beginning, was to be a witness nation. They were meant to witness to the world. And you, you think about it. I'm not making this up. Like, go to, go to Genesis. When God first made his covenant with Abraham, what did he say to him in chapter 12? I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. So that what? So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The purpose from the beginning was for God to choose a people that would put his goodness on display for all of the world to see and all of the world to be able to glorify God through his people. Look at what the psalmist says in chapter 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Yes, yes, Lord, please bless us. Show us your faith. Show us who you are, but not just so that we will be blessed. So that what? So that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. The whole purpose was not for just to be this exclusive little club. 
but for the goodness of God to be put on display for the rest of the world. And Jesus carried this out. Look at what he said in Matthew. You are the light of the world. There is a deep concern for the world in the heart of Jesus. And as he teaches his followers, his hope, his anticipation is that what will they do? They will let their light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the purpose to which God has called us as his people, that we would glorify him to the nations, that the world would see his goodness through us. And Moses says, don't forget that. Don't forget it. So you hear these three things that we're called to remember, remembering God's commands, remembering his deeds and what they say about his character, and remembering his purpose for the world. We kind of wrap this up here in Deuteronomy 11. This is kind of how he sort of sums it up. Be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all his ways, and holding fast to him. I hear that, and two words jump out at me that make me very intimidated. It's the same word used twice. All. All this commandment. All his ways. And then right in the middle, loving the Lord your God. That should remind us of that Jewish creed we already pointed out in chapter 6, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's a lot of all. That's overwhelming. The people couldn't do this. They weren't able to. They wanted to. I, I, I believe they wanted to. We feel that strain, right? God, I, I want to follow you. I want you to have all of my heart. I, I want to follow all of your ways. But that, that all is tough. That's heavy. That's hard. I am forgetful. I am weak. I am human. Listen to what, what Moses would say in response to our fears of this. He recognizes it, too, because he sees it in himself. Chapter 29 of Deuteronomy says, but to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. You do not because you cannot you have not been given what is needed, that is something that must come from outside of you to be able to be this faithful follower that God has called you to. But there's good news for us, and there was a promise for the Israelites to look forward to. He's going to say in the very next chapter, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. That heart that you didn't have, he will make it to where you do have it and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live God will do something, and he has done something. He sent his son, his, son, his perfect son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, die a death on the cross that he did not deserve, raise himself back to life from the grave, and if you put your trust into him, you give your life to him, scripture makes clear, he will renovate, restore, circumcise, whatever word you want to use, your heart to make it what it was meant to be so that you can obey him so that you can walk in his ways, so that you can remember not to forget who he is. I love the way Ezekiel puts it. And I will give you a new heart. You couldn't do it before. You did not have the right parts. I'll give you a new heart and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. There's those statutes and rules again, right, that we, that we started with. Only when you have been given the new heart and been filled by the very spirit of God inside that heart, can you actually follow God the way he intends? And while Israel had to just sit back and wait and watch and wonder, 
We have already been given access to this. This is ours in Christ Jesus. It's been given to us already. Let's, let's take hold of that so that we can remember him as, as we ought to. I, I love the way that, that Paul puts it to Timothy. And we'll, we'll, close, we'll begin to close with this. Because let me just say this. There is a, when we look at what Ezekiel said about the spirit coming in, there's almost a temptation for us to, to just like receive that, have that little renovation of the heart, spirit come on in, and then just sit back. Spirit, you do you. Like, go ahead, do what you gotta do. And we might lose the fact that there's still a call for us to obey and walk. There's still a work for us to do. Paul clarifies that to Timothy here. This young man that he's mentoring to grow in the faith, he says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Without him, there is no hope at this. By the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, do something. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Yes, obviously, it all begins with the Holy Spirit. Without him, this is a hopeless endeavor. But you too have a responsibility. I too have work that needs to be done. This word follow and this word guard. Those are the two things that I must do. I must make sure that I'm following the pattern presented to me in scripture. The pattern of those disciples who have gone before me. The patterns of my mentors that are in the word of God. I've got to follow those patterns. And I need to guard the good deposit entrusted to me. That reminds me of that fire I spoke of at the beginning. I need to make sure the flame continues to go up. Not become forgetful. By the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how we make that happen. So just to kind of close this out, I gave you those three things that we're, we're called to remember about God. His, his statutes, his laws, his commands, his, his deeds, and what they say about his character. And also, finally, his plan for the world, his purpose for the world. And it's crazy, all three of those are like just cover to cover found all throughout this book. They're here, everywhere. I told you I was going to sandwich those things between two things about us. So remember, on the one hand, I said, we are very, very forgetful people. We have a serious case of spiritual amnesia. We will forget. We will walk out of those doors. And it's like there's something in the air that will just zap some stuff out. We will forget stuff on the one hand. But on the other hand, we have found the cure to our amnesia. And it is in the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. And when you put it together, if we will let the word of God rest upon the power of the spirit within us, sandwiched in the reminder, the daily reminder that I am forgetful and I need to be reminded and I am not able to do this on my own. You know what that makes out of all of us? Some Bible skill drill thrillers. <laughs> Cheating just to dip our finger in there and open it up and see what God's word says. I'm a visual person. So this helps me remember. May we not forget our forgetfulness, our need to be dependent on the spirit and may that drive us into God's word as often as possible so that we can remember. This is, this is a major way that the spirit holds on to us. Like we're not let go by our grip. We're held on by his. And part of the way he holds on to us and keeps us in the faith is through the reminders of his word, prompting us to open his word and hear from it. So let's do that. I love this passage to end back in Deuteronomy talking about these words. You shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. 
and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied. That is where the Word of God belongs in our life, everywhere. As, in as many places as we can put it, as frequently as we can hear it and see it, we must be a people saturating ourselves in this Word to remember. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast from Hope Point Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. If you would like to learn more about us or give to this ministry, please go to our website at hopepoint.org. We hope you can join us again next week.